Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. Hey, what's up, everybody? Ben Standig here for another edition of the Locked On Wizards podcast, your daily conversation about all things Washington Wizards from the insider's perspective. Hope you guys are doing great on this Monday. The Wizards should be feeling pretty good about themselves, having come back to beat the Bucks in Milwaukee Sunday afternoon. You know what? Giannis didn't play for the Bucks. Oh, well, the Wizards weren't looking very good early on, but they uh, definitely worked hard in the second half. Started making some shots, started keeping the Bucks from uh, scoring so easily, and they found a win. I want to get into a little bit of that um, at the end of this uh, podcast. And, of course, if you want to find us, all of our podcasts, you can subscribe on iTunes or, or find us on Audioboom or anywhere you do your podcasting. You can also follow us on Twitter, at LockedOnWizards, or just follow me at Ben Standig, where you'll find my Wizards talk, but also my Redskins work that I do for – uh, breaking breakingburgundy.com. Also, we have a, a locked on Redskins podcast called Locked on Redskins. Um, before I get into the Wizards, I wanted to talk a little bit about the actual podcast itself. Something I saw today sort of reminded me that I, I need to do that every once in a while. Um, the, the, the locked on part of this podcast comes from David Locke, who is the Utah Jazz play by play voice, radio play by play voice, and he started this network. A few months before I got on, I basically just started the day that the wizard season started, just how things worked out. But he started uh, the NBA network and an NFL network, and it started to expand even beyond that a little bit. Um, and uh, it's been really successful. Have a, have, has had a lot of good uh, attention and coverage uh, in Sports Illustrated. And uh, actually this week, the podcast I did uh, about the Wizards-Minnesota Timberwolves game got to mention on uh, NBC Sports' uh, Pro basketball talk, so that was that was a lot of fun. Um, but when David pitched me this idea of doing this, the the struggle for me, my first thought was, how am I supposed to talk about the Wizards every day? You know, how how is anybody going to notice that? You know, we have all you know all these media outlets in town. How am I supposed to get enough attention? And his point to me was, look. People in your town talk about the Redskins incessantly, but think about it. How often are they really talking about the Wizards? You can. There's a voice there to be had, and people want to have a daily conversation. The question is, you know, how do you? you know, who are you? Well, how are you going to get them engaged? And I thought about it, and you're right. Look, I've been here, but I've lived here my whole life in this in this area, essentially my whole life, and I understand how things work in this town as far as the media goes, especially being part of the media to some degree. <clears throat> I know. You know, for CSN, Redskins traffic trumps everything else. And that's not different than, and, and I know radio hosts in town will tell me, you know, they do the call-in segments on the Redskins, they'll get lines filled up. They do it on Wizards, Caps, Nats, 
not so much. The one thing, though, I've always argued with some of these people is, is it something of a chicken or an egg thing? If I'm a Wizards fan, how do I ever know when I can randomly tune in to the radio to hear Wizards talk? You can hear Redskins talk all the time. It's very limited, typically, to find Wizards. Now, maybe they'll get a little bit more on some level now because the Redskins season is over. But regardless, it's hard to know when you're going to get that conversation. And that was, I think, the point here. If you want Wizards talk, where were you going to go? And that, I think, is hopefully what we've provided here on Locked on Wizards. I've been really impressed with the growth of the podcast so far. I, I can honestly say truly that I've gotten more positive feedback from this podcast, for my work here, than anything I've done in my now, I guess, decade or so covering sports in this town. But not just from fans, but also from even from people, um, from, 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 from colleagues uh, who just out of the blue, I didn't even know were interested about the wizard or cared about the podcast or anything, have said some very nice things. And I really greatly appreciate that. And this brings me all to um, something I saw today, which was that the owner of the wizards and Cap Ted Leontis tweeted that he was wondering if the sports junkies on 106.7 don't talk enough about the Wizards and the Caps. Now, I, I haven't listened to the junkies in a while, I, not, not because of them. I'm not a morning person. My lifestyle with this job keeps me off, keeps me uh, sleeping later into the mornings. I don't have a morning commute typically, so I don't have the radio on, so I just haven't listened. So I'll leave it to others to decide whether they talk about them enough or not. But I understand how sports in this town works. How, how sports radio works. You have to be Redskins literate, not just literate. You have to be like a Redskins grad student level to, to, to talk about this team in great detail. You have to talk about it from an on the ground perspective. It isn't the case though with other teams. I've had, I remember I talked with David Aldridge on this podcast about how it seems like a lot of people in town talk about the Wizards from a 30,000 foot level, even though they're local. And there are definitely some people in this town who know sports, who know, who know the Wizards on the radio. I mean, Scott Jackson was 980. He used to host a pre and post game shows for God's sakes. And he and I talk about them a lot. He and I hosted a wizard podcast for a couple of years on 980 with Nick Ashew, who is another NBA nerd who, who has the half of the, the night show over there on 980. He's had me on basically every, he has me on basically every week, mostly to talk about the Redskins, but we get some wizard stuff in there as well. I know Danny Rie on 106.7 is a big wizards guy. Kevin Sheehan in the morning on 980. So, and there are other guys, but at the end of the day, that doesn't drive the conversation in this town, or at least that's not how things go. I think that's what the owner is essentially noting, and I can't argue with that take, but that's what we're trying to fill in the gap here with this podcast. And I'll I'll sort of round this up here with this. Part of David Locke's pitch to me also in terms of this is, look, you know, it's going to take you some time to build up an audience. The longer it takes to do that, the harder it is to make some money off of this. I'm not going to lie, uh, it would be good to turn this into a financially viable operation that's that that you know i put in a lot of time to this and um it would be good to have to have this work out we do have some we do have a national sponsor in SeatGeek. that's helpful for sure um but david said what we could also do is pitch to local sponsors and i haven't wanted to do that yet i wanted to establish the podcast and hopefully i think we've done that i mean i mentioned david aldrich from nba.com come on i mean todd Dibus from the washington times comes on essentially with me after every single home game. If you look at the Wizards beat, beat core of the rate of the print people, so to speak, he and I represent 40%, 50% of the entire beat core on one podcast after every game. 
And you know, I think we I think we talked pretty candidly and pretty honestly about this about this team. Um, Michael Lee from the post, uh, or from the post, oops, sorry, used to be for the post, now with the vertical. He and I talked, hopefully, as you guys have heard, at great length about the Ernie Grunfeld era, a six-part series. He sat down with me for over three hours, and we went into great detail about it. We didn't just say Jan Vesely, bad trade. We went through the Jan Vesely scenario and explained what the thinking was, why it didn't work out, why it couldn't, why it could have worked out, why maybe we're not even that harsh on Ernie Grunfeld relative to others. And we talked about Gilbert Arenas. We talked about the KD to DC push. We talked about the current team. And we did that, like I said, with that context. Obviously, Michael has it because he covered the team for years with the Post. But for many years, I've been there as well. And I grew up here. I look, I grew up a Bullets fan that morphed into the Wizards at some point over the years. I've lost the fandom aspect, certainly the emotional aspect of all of it uh, <laughs> because of this job. But, you know, I, I the history, I, I'll, I'll, I'll take I'll take the Pepsi challenge on that type of thing with basically anybody. In fact, I think, I guess it's fair to say, now that Michael is gone from covering the Wizards on a regular basis, I guess I'm the longest running person covering this team. I mean, I guess maybe somebody uh, like, a, like a Kyle Weed, I have truth about it. He's probably been focusing on more day-to-day than I have because I was doing some other things at different times. But, um, you know, for the most part, I think, I think my, my, my statement is, uh, is a true one. But anyway, we've had Jerry Brewer on from the Washington Post. We've had uh, out-of-town writers come on. Heck, we've had Wizards come on. Martin Gortat was, was a guest. Trey Burke, Sheldon McClellan. We're going to get John Wall and, and Otto Porter on uh, and others as well. Get Scott Brooks as well. We've been, we, we had just the other day sound from inside the, the visiting locker room with Gorgie Jang talking about Andrew Wiggins, what they need from, from him. And I can also say like two, two podcasts we have banked right now, Georgetown coach, John Thompson this week, not talking about Georgetown, talking about a player he, uh, he found, recruited, signed, developed and sent off to the NBA. And of course, Otto Porter, uh, Rob Dowster from NBC sports, the lead writer for college basketball talk, He's talked with me about this upcoming NBA draft. We've heard this is such a great class. Well, okay, two minutes into the season, let's get Rob's take on where that is. And these are the things I want to do. So, you know, I think we've established this podcast, but we have a lot more to do. We want to do even better going forward. If you're interested in sponsoring, let's just put it out there. We'd love to talk to you about it. If, you, if you're looking for that 25 to 44 male demographic, I can promise you by looking at the numbers, <laughs> you can't find a better spot. For that, for that audience, this is a tremendous audience. If you're interested, please hit me up. You can uh, hit me up, hit me up on Twitter if you want at Ben Standig. But if you want to keep it uh, private, send me an email at bstandig1 at gmail.com. That's S T A N D I G is the last name. Uh, but anyway, like I said, it's been a lot of fun doing this. Uh, you know, to a degree, it's been a labor of love to this point. I really enjoyed it. Hopefully, it can become more than that. And hopefully with your guys' help and support, it'll do, it'll do that. And, hey, look, also props to the Wizards because it wasn't getting fun there early on talking about a team that was losing and seemingly heading nowhere. It's a lot, been a lot more interesting lately talking about a team that's now moved back up to 500. They did that with the win against the Bucks. A couple things that stood out to me in, in that game. One, um, the first half, it looked like a team that Scott Brooks had talked about a couple days prior having been outworked when they lost at Dallas, the, the Wizards just did not look engaged 
in that first half. John Wall had a, had a strike where he had four turnovers in like nine, 70 seconds in the first quarter. Um, looked like they were going to be in trouble, even though Giannis wasn't playing for the Bucks. But start of the second half, the starters really got it going. Um, the, good, good game from, from Marquise Morris. Took advantage of Giannis not being in the game. Took, took advantage of Mirza Toledovic's limited defense. He, he scored uh, consistently. Uh, you know, John, John Wall, Bradley Beal had big games of four, four of the five star, starters scored double figures. Only March and Gortat didn't, but Gortat continued to do that work he does all over the place with, with rebounding. Um, in defense, he had 12 rebounds. Marquise Morris had a double-double with, uh, with 10 rebounds and 20 points. And, uh, you know, the Wizards got it done. Some of the specific praise I want to mention. First off, let's, let's, give, it, let's give it up to Kelly Oubre. Uh, the young man is has, has turn, turning it around ever so slightly here, but he's turning it around. Three for seven from the field. Or, I'm sorry, three for seven on threes. I believe I had the stat oh, over the last three games. I don't have it exactly in front of me, but I want to say he's basically shooting 50% from three, like seven for 14 from three in the 10 games or so prior to that, it was like three for 23 and he had had got a concussion early in that stretch. And, and maybe that had something to do with it. But, you know, we, we talk constantly about this lack of bench on this team. He is a very inconsistent young man and he is a young man. He's 21. That is going to happen. We get that. If he can, if, if Scott Brooks can figure out a way to just get him to do what he can do, which is right now be a three and D guy. He he is a classic three and D guy at this point. If he could, if he recognizes that, hit those corner shots, defend the heck out of other wings uh, on the perimeter, use that length as he did at one point in that game to get a nice offensive rebound. He had three offensive rebounds against the Bucks. If he could do that, he would be great. You know, um, it's been noted. Well, some of us have mentioned that when we talked to his dad the day after the draft. The dad was talking about how, uh, you know, the, taking Kelly Oubre to sort of this next level, this sort of global brand eventually. And you can tell with this kid, with the way he talks about fashion, the way he sort of carries himself, he views himself as something of a larger-than-life kind of figure, even among NBA players. All he needs to do right now is just dial it down. And instead of trying to take on the world, he just needs to take on these little chunks of things. The defense, the three-point shooting, Trying to make the right play, his right hand dribble is not is still non-existent. His basic instincts are unbelievably lacking at times. He tries to do way too much in the fast break. Sometimes I, I'm concerned when he's on the second unit and, it's, and no starters are out there that he's trying to be take control. And in time, it's kind of what you want, but you know he doesn't necessarily have that in his bag right now. Regardless, props to him if he can keep that up. He played 25 minutes. Against the Bucks, he was the, the easily the that that was more minutes that was double the minutes of any other reserve out there. All the starters played at least 35. Again, we talk about this a lot. I don't know how if it's sustainable for Brooks to play these guys 35 to 40 minutes every game, but if you're going to, somebody off the bench needs to fill in some of that chunk. And Ubre did that yesterday. Um, the other guy, the guy who played the second most minutes, Sheldon McClellan. This is the second game in the row that Brooks has bypassed Marcus Thornton to go to McClellan. And I think that's a pretty interesting move. It's a move we've talked about here on this podcast plenty, myself and Todd Divas, on, look, the bench has got some issues, but at least go to the younger guy who's got that little bit of a dog in him, 
scrappy, hustled, young, athletic. Put him out there. You know, there will be some mistakes, sure, but there's a lot more potential hustle plays involved. And McClellan had two steals and three rebounds in 12 minutes, made three of five shots. You know, and anything offense out of him is, is probably gravy. But just to have somebody who's going to make those hustle plays, which we saw him do, he had a great chase down steal in the game. I, I'm, I'm all down for this. I mean, I still would like to see Sadoransky get in the equation. Um, when Scott Brooks has mentioned flatly that Trey Burke is not a point guard. Okay, well then, <laughs> do you have another point guard on the team? Yeah, you do actually, in Sadoransky. But, you know, Sadoransky looked like he lost some confidence with his shot, and I think that's led to him essentially getting put on the back bench. But, uh, look, Sheldon McClellan, good good on him for, for taking advantage of the opportunity. And, at least for now, good on Scott Brooks with for, for going that way. I mean, we talked about this on the podcast I did with Todd and Jerry Brewer about how Marcus Thornton is a really like an ultimate crutch player. He's always ready to go. He's, he's got a positive attitude. He is, you know, when, when you have a game where your team is just struggling to do anything on offense, he's a guy that can give you some instant pop in theory. And that's, and sometimes that can be enticing, especially when your other options are a lot of young, young players like the wizard tab, but Going to McClellan or, in my opinion, Sadoransky, I think is ultimately the, the better move. Uh, you know, Trey Burke, he played 11 minutes yesterday, had five assists. Um, didn't score, but you get five assists that in five assists, two turnovers in 11 minutes. It's a lot of activity. Um, you know, I think you can take that. So good on Kelly Oubre for stepping up. Good on Sheldon McClellan for taking advantage of his minutes. And good on Scott Brooks, at least for this point, for sort of recognizing that um, – for Thornton, who also, you know, defensively is probably where his bigger liabilities are, is is a guy you want to have. It's fine to have him in, as in case of emergency, but shouldn't be part of your rotation. I would have maybe liked to have seen this that that thought come earlier, but hey, you take it when you can get it. And right now, the Wizards have, that's where Scott Brooks is, and the Wizards are are better off for it. And now, here we go. The Wizards are coming back home to face the Chicago Bulls, and the Wizards. Now 500, if they win, which would be their 10th straight home win, it will mean they are over 500 for the first time since they were 6-5 and five on November 24th, 2015. It's been a minute. They've, they've bumped up the 500 a few times, including uh, at the end of 2016, but then they lost the two straight in Texas. They've now won two straight. Now they get to come back. They're going to face a Bulls team that they uh, that they've already played twice. They lost at they lost once in Chicago. Lost, uh, but then they came back to win the more recent meeting in Chicago, one hundred seven to ninety seven. I joked. I remember at the time that Sheldon McClellan just sort of by random circumstances played more in more in two games in. Chicago at that point than he had in D.C., but that seems like that may be changing. Um, in that game, John Wall had 23 points, 9 assists, 9 of 14 from the field in 36 minutes. Bradley Beal had 21 points. It was another game where those guys were efficient, not taking too many shots relative to the overall number for the team. The Wizards are better when those guys are taking far less than half the shots, get everybody involved. Seems like it's a good formula there. Um, Jimmy Butler had 20 points that game for the Wizards, 6 of 10, 20 shooting from the field. If they can get that type of defense on him again, 
good chance the Wizards are going to win. But obviously, Jimmy Butler has been one of the top players in the NBA this year. That's going to be a challenge for sure. All right, let's call it there. Thank you guys for listening. As I said, uh, interviews this week with John Thompson III from Georgetown, Rob Dowsker from NBC Sports, plus more recaps, Wizards, Butt Bowls on Tuesday. Until next time, Ben Standick signing off. Really appreciate you guys. See ya. Neal gets open for three. Dagger! Long drive, off balance shot. Dagger!